When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is Cafe Mocha? Cafe Mocha is experts, celebrities. What's up? This is Belbit DeVoe. You're truly Idris Elba. This is Fantasia. This is Invo. This is India Ari. Oh, much more. All from a woman's perspective. What flavor are you, baby? This is Cafe Mocha. It's Cafe Mocha. Angelique along with Lonnie Love and Yo-Yo Black History Month. Well, I think we need to have a Black History Month roundup. So, okay. uh... First things first, Viola Davis is now officially an EGOT. Hello. She won her uh, Grammy for her spoken word book. And so now she has everything. EGOT stands for Emmy, Oscar, Tony, and Grammy. She has all four of them. It's a very elite group. It's maybe about, when it comes to Black people, about uh, six or seven. I know John Legend is one, Jennifer Hudson, Whoopi Goldberg, and now we got our girl, Viola Davis. Also in Black history, the Proud family, Louder and Prouder, the reboot for the Proud family. Uh-huh. Um, they're currently on Disney Plus, and they revealed that BB has autism, and the fans were praising the honest Aww. depiction. Um, this uh, reboot of uh, of um, the Proud family really is hitting on real world topics that I think a lot of people can relate to. There was also a Black history mentioned that got a lot of conservatives upset um, with Penny Proud talking about slavery and things like that. So you may want to check out um, the Proud family louder and prouder on Disney plus. Uh-huh. Um, and why yo, get, yo, why they get yes. upset? Why, uh, I'm sorry. Why uh, they get people, upset for telling well, the truth? I mean, this country was built on our back period. Well, period. You know, I, don't, sometimes, I don't understand why they get upset. People people get upset about stuff. So, uh, Yo-Yo, also yes. for Black History, the 50th yes. year of hip-hop we're celebrating this year. year. Let's talk a little bit about it. The Grammys did a wonderful uh, tribute. Yes, they did a wonderful tribute. Everyone showed up. Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five, Run DMC came out, which was so good to, to see. LL Cool J, Salt and Pepper came and did their thing. Um, Rakim, De La Soul, Scarface, and it was so dope to see Scarface out. Up at the Grammys and being able to showcase him. Ice-T, Ice-T said he has never thought he'd have the opportunity to grace the Grammy stage, yet he came out there and repped it. Of course, my girl Queen Latifah, Public Enemy, Outcast, Big Boy, Flavor Flav, Method Man, Missy Elliott, Busta Rhymes, Nelly, Too Short. Could you, wait, Too Short? I mean, it was one For of those. For real? Oh, I missed it. I <laughs> What's told my you, I favorite got word? T- why you guys saying like short? Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> they were jamming. But of course, there were some people that was disappointed. Um, mm-hmm. Just to know that they are working on a two-hour special. This was curated by uh, Questlove, and the next day, Questlove put out a lengthy Twitter uh, reply because there were people like, mm-hmm. "Why wasn't Snoop there? Why wasn't mm-hmm. this?" And he's like, mm-hmm. "You guys." 
people had scheduling issues. Some people just flat out said no. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a tweet by JJ Fad, uh, mm-hmm. who was upset and felt like they should have been part of it. But um, also LL Cool J, before the tribute on the Grammys, he said, you guys, there's going to be a longer one where we're going to try to include more people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that'll be uh, later on. So, you know, it's everybody wants to be- years. Come on. I mean, you can't, you can't right. encapsulate 50 years in a five minute segment on the Grammy. Somebody's going to be left out. And, you know, yeah, well, people were calling yeah. saying, yo, yo, why didn't they have any more representation from Los Angeles and L.A.? You, you know, the Grammys was in L.A. L.A. should have had more. Listen, I really love the fact that they curated this space for hip hop, giving hip hop the platform. Some of the artists were mad saying that we were walking through blood because here was a space where they never wanted us. And those who were nominated back in the day couldn't even accept their Grammys on television. However, I'm just saying we are moving forward. I love that those who are in position, such as LL Cool J, Questlove, and those who have made a platform, done more than just music and have these outstanding relationships are able to move hip hop in a bigger light. So I was excited to see it. And again, you have scheduling issues. You have, you know, the pro bowl was going on. That's probably Snoop was at the pro bowl. Cause I know a lot of people was like, where's Snoop, you know, where's, and it's like you, when you have scheduling issues, when you have things like that, you know, this, these type of things happen, but you're right. Yo, yo, the, um, it's just the rec, the, the recognition, um, mm-hmm. from the, the fact that, uh, Will Smith, what, who received the first Grammy for hip hop, he was scheduled to be on there, but he had scheduling issues. Mm-hmm. So J- Jay-Z, J- uh, uh, Snoop came out the night before, before he did an acknowledgement, they did this award to, um, Snoop, I mean, excuse me, to Sylvia Roan. They gave an award to Missy Elliott, to um, to Little Wayne, and they gave an acknowledgement to um, was it Snoop? Yeah, and they came out and performed. They had a, a lot of people out there representing them, and Dr. Dre, and Dr. Dre. I mean, just to understand, hip hop didn't even want to be on the forefront. They didn't even want to be seen. So I think that those who showed up showed out and the representation was made for hip hop happy 50 to, years of hip hop and to close out this black history um this black history roundup last november bobby wilson's neighbor bobby wilson is 9 years old she was uh the neighbor called the police on her for spraying spotted lantern flies and what it is is that she was catching these butterflies well a yale professor heard bobby's story about the neighbor calling the police and arguing saying this young this black woman is this little black woman is doing something spraying stuff on trees and Instead of him going to talk to her, you know, this is what happened. But a Yale professor heard Bobby's story and honored the young scientist and asked her to submit the specimens in Yale's Natural History Museum. So now all of her specimens from the butterflies that she caught are at Yale University. So congratulations, Bobby Wilson. And that is your Black History Roundup. Thanks, Lonnie. It's Cafe Mocha, Angelique, along with Lonnie Love and Yo-Yo on the line. I believe it's the first time ever. Have we had you on before, Mesa? <laughs> no. <I don't> remember. <laughs> well, welcome no. to Cafe Mocha. Thank you, honey. I, did, I got an award from Cafe Mocha years ago, but um, 
I don't That's think I've right. That. I can remember that. <laughs> you sure did. And you're best friends with our friend of the show, April Ryan. Um, oh, right. You guys <laughs> went to uh, Morgan State together. So welcome. Welcome mm-hmm. back to the show. You, you have so a new much. album called Music for Your Soul. It's releasing March mm-hmm. 31st. Tell us mm-hmm. about this new album. What can we expect? Wow. This album is a labor of love in my life. I finally... I uh, decided to run my own record company and put all my music out on my own label. This is my 14th solo album, and uh, it's a 19-song long-playing record, like the old days. Mm-hmm. Double 19 album. 19 songs. <laughs> Double album. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but a lot so, of my uh, colleagues were saying not to put out, uh, they told me not to do that, just put out EPs, but I'm not into EPs. I want something that's long-lasting. You can clean your house, you can drive long distances, you can... Just zone out for a long time, you know. It's just it's only an hour and a half, but it's such it's full of great, really great songs and 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 uh, it, it's my love letter to everybody. Oh wow! You out here, an hour and a half. You you don't get to the freeway out here <laughs> right? in traffic. <laughs> where you from? Where you from, Mesa? I'm from Baltimore. Okay, right. That's where you know April from, right? You guys are home. Right, absolutely. I want to know, because explain to the listeners the importance of having your own record label versus being signed to another, like to a, a Atlantic Records or something like that. Well, uh, owning the record label means that all the money goes to my account, period. <laughs> that's, what it's, that's what it really means. That it's, it's basically <laughs> that to have the ownership of all of my music, that means that, if, so for instance, if my music goes to a, Somebody gets it wants to to sync it for a movie. Um, you know, I get I get the rights to I get have the right to you know to put in the movie or not or how much I can charge all these different things. So it's like instead of getting something trickled down to me like a little bit of a royalty from you know them owning my music, I get I own it all, and so I get all the royalties and all the perks of of ownership. So you have to, but you cover the cost of like the initials, the studio, all right. recording. Okay. Oh yeah, okay. I cover everything. So I have to pay everything. So that so the investment in myself, which I was doing anyway, I was doing a lot of investing in myself. But I didn't think that the needle was moving in my career too much, and and I and I just wanted to. I figured if they weren't gonna you know do anything like any publicity or marketing or anything, I might as well own the music. Why would I just let them do that and not own it too? So I thought I should do the best I can on my own and uh, get it as far as I, as far as I can. But you know, we'll see. I'm I'm excited about it. I think that I've worked up in the last 32 years of being in the industry that I've developed a, a pretty good reputation. And I think um, the people who have been listening to my music will support this record. This is your first album solo with your own label. With my own label, yeah. I've done I've done 13 albums with uh, as an independent artist with other labels, uh, but this is my first one uh, on my own label. My first full album, I should say. Did you find it difficult to reach out and get the support that you needed from the relationships with building your first label? Um, or was there's it a some smooth? that have been a little difficult. Some, you know, a lot of people, um, I don't know. I, I think they already want you to be uh, at a certain level before they want to help you. You know what I'm saying? It's, I've, I've noticed that in people. I've noticed that people have always, you know, I don't know. I think it's it's all it's a lot has to do with money to be honest with you. Whatever I can put up, you need to put up or shut up in this business, really. So, you know, that's a that's a big deal. But even with relationships with people I've had, it seems to be a little bit difficult to get things going in that area too. But I've just I'm gonna keep going. And my mother 
told me when I was a little girl, she said, Mesa, keep going till you go till you get where you want to go. And that's and I've been living that my whole life. So I'm gonna keep pushing. You know, you started out, um, uh, Stevie Wonder, uh, you were singing yeah. back up with him. Tell us about yeah. that. How how did that come to be? <laughs> well, I was at Morgan State University my last year, and Stevie would come every year to do a Martin Luther King celebration with the Morgan State University choir. And one of my best friends, Kim Brewer, was already singing with him. She had gone to California a year prior, and she was already singing in Wonder Love. And she asked him, um, when I graduate, could I please come out, you know, come out to California with him and, and sing, you know, in Wonder Love. And uh, so they auditioned me, like, right after the set concert we had. And I passed the audition, but I asked Steve, I said, Steve, I got just one year left. I want to hand my parents my degree, and then I'll come out there and start living what I want to do. And so... <laughs> That's what I did. And a year later, as soon as I graduated, I literally called the day I graduated and said, look, I'm ready. And, um, and, and then, so that's why, um, that's why he, he, uh, they told me to come on out there. And I, uh, sang background on my first professional gig was singing background on these three words on the jungle fever project. Okay. Oh, yeah. I and I sang song. several other songs on that album. Yeah. Oh yeah. And so it's so ironic that, um, the first single that I released from my new album, uh, I released it last year on Valentine's Day, a double single called uh, Make Sure You're Sure, which is from that soundtrack. I uh, remade that. And then I did an R&B song called Just Stay. So, and it did doing very well. All my singles are. Well, did you learn anything in that process uh, with Stevie recording with him? Oh, yeah. That's, oh, yeah. Because, I, I mean, I was a nervous record. You know, you come out to California and, you know, you don't know uh anyone except i knew one person out there and and so it being in wonder love you know there's there's seasoned veterans you know and they who's this newbie kind of coming in so i had to learn how to deal with that and deal with um but it was such a great time we did all this we would tour with spike lee to do all the tv shows uh to promote the music and the and the movie so i had the best time with that and it was that was short-lived it was only uh about six seven months and then Stevie went on a big Brazilian tour where he took all the older older singers. And so I had to get a job. I had to get several jobs to survive out in L.A. And that's how I um, met a producer uh, named Stephen Harvey, who's a drummer from Scotland. And he happened to be best friends with Bluey, the lead uh, producer and writer for Incognito. And so uh, he, told, he called me one day and said, Mesa, I, I got a gig for you. It's in England, though. Would you like to try it out for it? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. I just didn't want to go back home. I, I felt like I would, you know, have failed if I had gone back home. So uh, I, Louis called me one day. I, was, I got off work early, and uh, Louis called me one day, and he said, um, we talked about music and everything, and, and I sang a little bit to him on the, on the phone. And the next day, his manager said, we don't, I don't know what you sang to Louis, but you got the gig. We're going to fly you to England. So two weeks later, they flew me to uh, London, and I, uh, I, I, I stayed up there for four and a half years, and I recorded uh uh, Tribes, Vibes, and Scribes, and uh, the album Positivity that has Deep Waters on it. Mm-hmm. That really started my whole career. And uh, and then the, the way I got my solo deal is that I, I was with Incognito at the New York Street Jazz Festival. The show was over, and this man walked to me up to me, and he said, Mason, would you like to start your solo career? His name is Carl Griffin from GRP mm-hmm. Records. So that's how I got my first solo record deal. Wow. It's Cafe Mocha mm-hmm. on the line. We're talking to the wonderful singer Mesa. Her new album, Music for Your Soul, comes out March 31st. The latest single is I Don't Mind. What you don't mind, Mesa? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this song is so cool. It's, it's about, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of a fantasy song for me right now. It's about meeting the love of your life, finally after waiting a long time. 
And uh, even though he's a bit unconventional, you still, it's, it's, the love is unconditional. And that's what the song is about. Hmm. Now, do you write your own songs? <laughs> I do. I did. I, did. I wrote a little bit of this one, but mostly Bluey from Incognito wrote it. My music director wrote this one. But I've written a lot of my songs over my career. I mean, a lot. My discography is, is extensive of this last 32 years. Um, and uh, a lot of people were teasing me and saying, well, who would you do a versus with? And I'm like, I, my, my catalog is so crazy. You know, and I might not be out there like a lot of uh, other artists, but still got the catalog, the catalog. 32 years, how have you kept yourself out here in this industry? Just by working hard. I haven't had to do anything else. I keep trying to tell these young kids, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to compromise your morals not one day. You don't have to do anything but work hard, be professional, uh, be yourself, hone your craft, get some good, uh, uh, somebody to back you up, a good attorney. And, and, and enroll and, and do social media because social media is just like, you know, it's just a big thing right now. So, you know, do as much social media as you can. And, and you know, that's the way I, I mean, that's where I've survived all this time. Uh, it's just by working hard. Yeah, but they want to be overnight celebrities. They want to. Right, they wanna, right. And they ain't trying to work like hard a, and learn right. their craft. Get out of here. What's wrong with you? <laughs> right, I understand that, but. That's the way you get the longevity. I prayed for longevity when I was a 12-year-old kid on my parents' basement floor with headphones, listening to albums. Like, God, how am I going to? I want to get to the place where my name is in life. It's, so, it's ironic that last night I was at Soundboard and at Motor City Casino last night in Detroit. And mm-hmm. um, I see that we, Lonnie, we, we are, our pictures are right next to each other on the on the big board there. Big oh, wow. That's uh, great. Day. Yeah, that's so funny. And then, then I walk downstairs to get ready to leave to go um, back to my room, and they have a huge billboard with my face on it. And I literally cried. It's like, like, wow, this is like, it still blows my mind that people are coming out to pay and paying money for me to sing and to hear me sing and, and buying my records and buying my T-shirts and, and just, you know, coming on my Mesa's Kitchen karaoke on Sunday nights. And, they, you know, and, and, you know, it's just an amazing thing. Well, you know, you um, are so deserving of it, Mesa. And um, yeah. before we let you go, you have to tell us the story about the birth of your son, Jazz, oh, wow. who is an yeah. adult now. But but yeah. I just want people to know what you go through as a as an <laughs> artist. <laughs> right. So that drama, I mean, I've had many dramas on the road, but the, the main one was when I was on tour with Incognito. Um, we had a, a world tour. I went over for rehearsals, and my son's father, the man that Deep Waters is about, uh, acted like I was the last woman on the face of the earth. Like he was, he was so in love with me, so we, I kind of rekindled our relationship, and um, and I became pregnant. And so I, the whole tour, I was literally sick. The whole tour, every every city we went to, I had to rush. They rushed me to the hospital. That something was going on with with Jazz, and um, we finally they they cleared me to do one more tour, and that was in Japan. We had Fukuoka, Osaka, and Tokyo. And everything was fine the first week, but then we got to Osaka, and the third day in, um, my water started breaking, like in the small increments. It wasn't like the on the big dramatic thing like they do on TV, but all in real life. But it was just like a little bit at a time. So I kept taking Tylenol and taking hot baths every night, thinking I just the pain would go away. I didn't realize I was in labor because I just wasn't oh. home. To, you know, I wasn't home, and so I, I was like, it's just, I can't be having my baby in Japan. It's not going to happen. So I kept trying to deal with it. I knew that if I got to Tokyo where they speak my English. I thought I could be able to better communicate. And uh, I was trying to get Tokyo, but the morning we were leaving, uh, Bluey looked at my face and said, I'm going to call an ambulance. You don't look so good. And so they did. And my son was born tonight, two pounds uh, and 25 weeks. So 
it was it was a uh, it was an experience that was beautiful and horrible all at the same time. It was uh, a <laughs> it was interesting. <laughs> it was interesting, hey, but <clears throat> good and bad at the same time. I can imagine that. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, it was crazy. And um, so we you know we we got through that. My son is uh, they you know they tried to tell me that things were going to be wrong with my son and. He wasn't going to speak or, or eat on his own or walk or, you know, that kind of thing. And I was like, oh, no, he's fine. And I called his, his godfather. And I said, I said, they're telling me all these things. He said, tell those people that jazz is fine. And I guess so I, when I went to these meetings with them, I kept saying, jazz is fine. Oh, he's fine. He's fine. My son is fine. And so they were looking at me like, okay, she's having a nervous breakdown. Let's just let her go home. So it was interesting. I had to go back to Baltimore and leave him there until he gained enough weight to get on the airplane. Mm. I couldn't afford to stay in, in in Japan, so it was that was probably the most devastating part of it. I, I had to leave my baby in a foreign country, and so and I was so far away, you know, and it, it was devastating to me. And I, you know, I, I had to keep faith going, and I had to, and I didn't want to question God, but I was just wondering, like, why would you do this? Like, why did why did this happen? But and the, and the outcome of it all, and my son is healthy and strong, and college graduate and a photographer and a videographer and one of the most beautiful human beings on the face of this earth so i'm very grateful. wow what mm-hmm. who who watched him like the 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 hospital would just communicate yeah, oh you? yes yeah Philly. yeah i did i called the hospital. My, my my phone bill back in the in 1999 was that phone bill for the two and a half months he was there was over for four or five thousand dollars but I, I called literally every day and i talked to the doctors every day and i was just you know I kept, like I said, can you put the phone next to him? They, they said, we don't have a phone to go to. That's another the NICU. But I just wanted to hear his breathing. I wanted, like, I was just so difficult to be away from him. It was, it was crazy. But, yeah, because um, back then we didn't have back. cell phones, right? In right, right. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't have cell yeah, phones. New technology. Easy. Wow. Uh-huh. We didn't even have FaceTime. We didn't have none of no, that No, no FaceTime then. at all. You know, wow. That was, so, you know, when I had to work, that was one of the most beautiful things. My mom... My, my my mom, she really was an angel walking the earth. She really she took care of my son, helped raise my son. And when I was on the road, when FaceTime was developed, we that was a way for me to communicate to help even raise my son from the road. You know, I had to, you know I was able to talk to him. You know, and uh, you know reprimand him when I needed to. It was all that we we had that. You know, and so and that's how we spend time together too. It's wow. amazing. The album is called Music for Your Soul. How can we keep yeah. in touch with you, Mesa, on your socials? Um, Mesa.com and then all my socials are linked below uh, if you scroll down a little bit all my socials the page to my Facebook page every, my official stuff all my official stuff is on that on that page so Mesa.com will have all my information about the album and pre-sales and all that kind of stuff soon, coming up soon thank well, you for thank stopping you. by no thank y'all so much for having me I appreciate this so much we're at Cafe Mocha Radio socially savvy on Facebook Instagram and Twitter Serving up more Cafe Mocha. Announcing the Mocha Podcast Network, an innovative lifestyle podcast network featuring conversations from a black perspective. Curated with respected voices led by actresses and comedians Sherry Shepard and Kim Whitley. We're funny and we have a point of view. We call that edumatainment. That's what we call it. Is that what it is? Veteran TV journalist Rolanda Watts. Shocking the heck out of everybody. The legendary Unky Divas in Vogue. This topic is girl groups in the industry. 
to syndicated broadcast personalities Lonnie Love and Dee Dee McGuire, as well as an array of experts and activists. Mocha Podcast Network, a lifestyle destination with authentic voices and perspectives designed to enrich and empower women of color with a unique listening experience. More than a destination, the Mocha Podcast Network is a full-service studio that offers an ongoing portfolio of production, distribution, marketing, guest booking, and most importantly, ad sales. With a unique revenue model for podcasters that includes customized promotional campaigns created specifically around podcaster and targeted audience, service social media promos and pushes, MPN brand advertising, targeted electronic newsletter, experienced sales representation, for advertisers, the Mocha Podcast Network is a safe marketplace to align their brands with trusted voices, organically engaging the highly in-demand female consumer and more. With quality over quantity, from concept to completion, now is the time for content creators and brands to join the innovative Mocha Podcast Network and experience unapologetic conversations with a new perspective. It's Cafe Mocha. It's Cafe Mocha on the line. Oh, my goodness. I've been waiting to talk to him for so long. Daniel Caesar, he's one of the most sought-after songwriters and singers with the triple platinum hit, Get You, and five-time platinum number one single, Best Part, featuring her. Welcome to Cafe Mocha, Daniel. How are you? I'm doing great. It's great to, to be here. How are you doing? I am doing excellent. You know, can we start off with the power of Spotify and streaming services? And as a young, uh, talented artist, how did that help you, um, give you exposure for your craft? They're like a behemoth. You know what I mean? It's, um, they've, they've been very good to me. Uh, the playlist is kind of the way that everyone consumes music now, so... If you can, um, if you can do well on a playlist, you're kind of in everybody's phone. You're you're right, you're right at everybody's fingertips. So it's it's incredible. It's like a, a direct. I love that. It's a direct line to the whole world. That's yeah. I mean, and and that's the thing. You've embraced that, and I think when we see the younger artists doing that, now the older artists are now seeing, hey, this is a different way. Because can you talk about your role from Spotify to a major label? Yeah, I mean. Yeah, when I was starting out, I was independent for, for I just signed like last year. So Spotify, Spotify and, um, you know, streamers uh, really made it possible for me to be independent because I could get directly to the consumer. Um, and then I just reached a point in my career where I, I, wanted to, I wanted to deal with bigger budgets. I wanted to deal with, with bigger everything, you know, and. And so I, mm -hmm. I had all the meetings, and Republic was the uh, Republic was the obvious choice for me. And I'm I'm glad. Definitely, I made that I'm glad you made it too, Daniel. Take us back to your early days. What made you decide to get into the music business? Uh, music is the only thing I'm really, really exceptional at. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. it was the obvious decision for me. Now, now you just delivered a new single. Do you like me? Okay, so let's talk about Do You Like Me. That's your first single of the year? Yep. Let's talk it about is. it. Do You Like Me? That song is very near and dear song to my to my heart. I wrote it. I found myself involved in a sort of love triangle. And it was uh, it was just an honest 
an honest question that I feel like you something you would never ask someone in real life because that's a crazy thing to ask somebody. But it was really how I was uh, how I was feeling. So it, it just came out. I like tur- that. And then you turn around and, and write a song, Let Me Go, where you are talking about this uh, emotionally draining relationship <laughs> where on the cover of the single, you, you scratched out the face. Talk about Let Me Go, which has the fans going crazy. Yeah, they like that one. Um, Let Me Go, that was, that's like a, I think it hits because it's just so straightforward. You know, there's not really, not much deeper than it, that it appears to be. It's just like, um, you know, sometimes you have those moments where you know the best thing for someone is to move on from you because you know you can't give them what they want. Mm-hmm. And... You know, I just I've I've experienced that one too many times, and and I feel like it's part of my uh, growing up and maturing. I've learned to to let a woman know when she's when um I'm not what she needs. You know, you know, I'm 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 an old one, uh, Daniel. <laughs> so so yeah. back in the day, we used to do mixtapes. Like if a guy liked me. He would put a mixtape together with the songs, and when I when I listen to your music, I it, it brings me back to mixtape days. So <laughs> it's like you know, yeah, it's yeah, the yeah. way that you know express yourself, and that's the beauty about about you know you and being able to do music like that. At what point, Daniel, do you think that you realized that you had this special talent and that you had made it in music? Probably my first. My first time getting paid for like a festival was like I had, I had, I knew that I could do this for a living like for the rest of my life and that was making it to me you know that was probably like mm-hmm. 20, 2016, something like that and uh, yeah it changed my life. Do you get a rush performing? Because I'm a stand up comic and I tend to I love seeing the people's faces. How do you feel performing? Oh, I love it so 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 much. It's um, it's it's always best when you haven't performed for a long time, and then you go back to do it because you're nervous again, and it's kind of like, it's it's once you get like two quarters of the way through that you're like, <laughs> that you really settle in and you're comfy, and you're like, oh, I'm the best, you know what I mean? <laughs> but it's 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 good. It's such a good feeling. So you don't get burnt out. You've been well, doing it for so tour, long. Have you found yourself like getting burnt out? With performing, do you find yourself getting burnt out with recreating? With with um, never with creating. It's always like I I just go through phases with things. So like usually every tour I've ever done, it's like by the end of it, like the last three shows, like I I always give it my all and everything. But um, the last three shows, I'm usually like I hate touring. I'm always telling everyone around me I hate touring. I'll never do it again. And then <laughs> two weeks after tour is over. I'm like, oh, I miss it so much. It's really hard to go back to regular life after touring because it's, just, it's such a fast life. It's so much fun. It is. Um, it is and then you gotta so you gotta go to the grocery store and, and buy <laughs> buy tomatoes, and you're like, what am I doing? You know? <laughs> I love it. I yeah. love it. Now you collaborated with uh, her and other people. Who are, who are some of the uh, dream people you want to collaborate with? Oh, interesting. Maybe like. Jay-Z. Oh, yes. Damn, I should have prepared for this question. This is, no, no, no. I it's usually have a better right. answer, but no, no, Jay-Z no. is the first thing that came to J- the top Jay-Z's of my head. Jay-Z's a great person to, to want to collab with, to be totally honest with you. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's yeah. the GOAT, you know, so that's what we like. Um, how does your family feel about your success? This is your last question. 
Oh, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure they're happy. I, I hope so. They're, they're, uh, they're proud of me, you know? So, and, and it's, it's really, uh, helped our relationship. So I'm, I'm glad. It's helped your relationship. What do you mean? No, it's just, it just helped, you know what I mean? Cause it, right. it was just, um, you know, I was just a very angsty teenager. So I made it work and now everything we're, li- we're living in the happily ever after stage. You I know what I mean? That. I get to take care of my parents, my brothers. Do you reside still in Canada? No, I live in, I live in New York now. Hmm. I lived in New York for the last year. He's big time. Yeah. You know what, Daniel Caesar, thank yeah. you so much for the music. I can't wait. We got many more years and I, I can't wait to see you at the next festival. And thank you for taking time to stop and talk to us at Cafe Mocha. It means a lot to me and I hope to see you soon. Of course. Thank you guys so much for, for, for having me. Thank you so much. Good luck. Thank you, Daniel. Here's your dose of espresso. Strong, hot news now. This is the Espresso. I'm Angelique. It's Black History Month, and a bunch of kids walked out of school over their black history studies. Uh, At Hillcrest uh, High School in Tuscaloosa County, they said that the principal said they could not reference anything that happened before the 70s, including slavery, the Black Panthers, or the civil rights movement. Meanwhile, in Texas, Governor Abbott says diversity hiring is illegal. What uh, the governor said is, is flat out a lie. DEI is not illegal, and we cannot turn the clock back on civil rights. And actor Jonathan Majors is Major Man. This weekend, he's the bad guy in Ant-Man, and he follows that up with Creed Three. Mike wanted to tell a story that honored the legacy of Rocky, but was different. And a big part of that was introducing Damien Anderson. How long were you locked up? 18 years, bro. I know I've been away a long time, but I still got gas in the tank. Come by the gym. That's the espresso. It's Cafe Mocha, Lonnie Love, along with Yo-Yo and Angelique. Ladies, um, uh, earlier in, late in January, I wasn't feeling too good. Um, I was having stomach issues and I didn't know what it was. And so I said, you know what? I got insurance. Let me drive to the doctor. And it was the fact that I had gallstones in my gallbladder. Mm -hmm. And it was causing, it was like tremendous pain, very sharp pain. And they kept me in the hospital. Um, And they took my- telling us this now? Well, if you follow my Instagram, you would have saw, that's why I put a post about it so Mm -hmm. that everybody would know at the same time. Mm -hmm. But basically, I got um, the liposcopic surgery. It was literally... Because I told the doctor, I said, hey, it's it's award season, pilot season. I can't be up in a hospital. Right. And so he was like, don't worry. Um, and basically, they did four incisions, removed my gallbladder. And this is something that a lot of Americans do. They get their gallbladder removed because if you get stones, those stones pass through the system. And that's what was causing the pain. Now, you can keep it, but then you never know when a situation might occur. And because I had so many, it was best for me to remove my gallbladder. And so right after fresh out of surgery, I made an announcement. Um, I posted about it on my Instagram because I was more like wanted to remind um, my followers and people that, you know, we've just gotten out, we've just gotten out of a pandemic 
And a lot of us haven't gone to see the doctor. We haven't mm-hmm. checked our numbers. We haven't gotten physicals. Um, and so that's what I did it for. And then I, you know, because I was in the hospital bed, I'm saying, I got a, my gallbladder removed, but I'm totally fine. Now, that got Lonnie. picked up by everybody. Now, it's now like, Lonnie, <laughs> yes. when you say pain, because, you know, once you reach a certain age, such as myself, those type of pain. So describe to me what kind of pain made you go to the hospital? Was it a pain that it just was so painful you had to go? Or was it bearable? Where was this pain? How, you well, you I, pain? For, for, for me, it was a really sharp pain sometimes. And I didn't know what it was, but it was at the top of my abdomen. Um, I thought, you know, you start, you know, you start thinking all these things that maybe it's mm-hmm. gas, maybe it's this, but it was so painful that sometimes I couldn't walk. And mm. so I thought it was like, and then what happened was I had it twice. I had it once and then it went away. So that meant that there was a stone pass and it passed through the second time. It was really bad. It was like, I would eat something and then it just, and I was like, Oh, it has to be gas. But what made me go to the hospital was that my urine was dark. Mm-hmm. And it would, and so then I thought, oh, I'm not drinking enough water, but I drink water. But I'm like, when it didn't lighten up, I said, mm, I'm just gonna go to the doctor just to check mm-hmm. this out. And mm-hmm. so they checked, and my in my liver enzymes were up, and they were able to do like all of these tests, and they found that they do an ultrasound, and you could see the gallbladder, and you could see the stones in the gallbladder. So Damn. you know, like I said. If mm-hmm. you can manage the pain and you can, I mean, and you, it, there really isn't a use for the gallbladder. It's just that it, it's, it's, it's another filtering system. Um, you do improve, you do change your diet now. You don't eat like mm-hmm. all those greasy foods and stuff like that. Um, you try to, you know, eat a lot better without the gallstone, but it's definitely a sharp pain. It's usually at the top and at the right. And a lot of my friends are having appendicitis. Mm-hmm. Um, they're having their appendix, their appendix is, is bursting. So that's why I'm telling people, if you feel any pain in that abdomen area, if you see any change in your stools or your urine, go check it out. Don't wait because it just it'll just get worse and worse and worse Mm -hmm. but more importantly get that blood work right now we have modern medicine and modern medicine when you and they take that blood it they can check everything everything inside your body and again Mm -hmm. because we just come out of a pandemic Mm -hmm. a lot of us have taken that vaccine a lot of us have had covid they still don't know the studies of what COVID does to the body and what this virus has done. So it's very important, you know, to go and get your blood work, check your numbers, check yourself. And that's what we are here about. We're about, because without health, you're just as broke. You know, you don't have any money in the bank if if your health, health is well. So Cafe Mocha listeners, make sure you make your appointments, go get that blood work Mm because we love y'all. We want to see y'all for a long time. I'm making mine. Dr. Tart would say, know your numbers, know your numbers. <laughs> Let's go. You can follow us on all platforms at Cafe Mocha Radio. If you miss any part of our interview with Daniel Caesar, just subscribe to the podcast and get caught up. Go to wherever you listen to podcasts, type in Cafe Mocha Radio. Until next time, you know where to find us. Cafe Mocha is a production of Miles Ahead Broadcasting in partnership with Compass Media. Executive producer Sheila Eldridge. For comments, booking, or more information, 
Visit CafeMochaRadio.com. Announcing the Mocha Podcast Network, an innovative lifestyle podcast network featuring conversations from a black perspective. Curated with respected voices led by actresses and comedians Sherry Shepard and Kim Whitley. We're funny and we have a yes. point of view. We call that edumatainment. That's what we call it. Is that what it is? Veteran TV journalist Rolanda Watts. Shocking the heck out of everybody. The legendary Unky Divas in Vogue. This topic is girl groups in the industry. To syndicated broadcast personalities, Lonnie Love and Dee Dee McGuire, as well as an array of experts and activists. Mocha Podcast Network, a lifestyle destination with authentic voices and perspectives designed to enrich and empower women of color with a unique listening experience. More than a destination, the Mocha Podcast Network is a full-service studio that offers an ongoing portfolio of production, distribution, marketing, guest booking, and most importantly, ad sales. With a unique revenue model for podcasters that includes customized promotional campaigns created specifically around podcaster and targeted audience, service social media promos and pushes, MPN brand advertising, Targeted electronic newsletter. Experienced sales representation. For advertisers, the Mocha Podcast Network is a safe marketplace to align their brands with trusted voices, organically engaging the highly in-demand female consumer and more. With quality over quantity, from concept to completion, now is the time for content creators and brands to join the innovative Mocha Podcast Network and experience unapologetic conversations with a new perspective. 